This mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, at this time, uh, our ushers are going to pass out a piece of paper to you, and it says on there the 5G life. If uh, you don't have one, let them know. They'll get you one. So it's a graphic designed by one of our members here, or one of our, the people that uh, do a lot of stuff on Facebook, Katie Chalmers. So thank you, Katie, so much for your work there. The 5G life. Uh, what do you think about when you hear the words 5G? What, what uh, images or ideas come to mind with 5G? I know you hear it sometimes. Cell phone service, Wi-Fi. Faster. Conspiracy theories. Okay, we'll leave that one go. <laughs> yes, faster. Communication. Anybody else? Is that it? The whole idea of 5G, it's this next generation of being able to communicate with one another. Right? It's the idea that all devices are connected and all people are connected. And it's able to communicate like that. Right? It's sort of... Uh, not something that just is going to happen. Most people, most experts say it's going to take years and years and years to roll out this 5G ability uh, everywhere. Sort of like back in the day there was this thing that people thought it was impossible for farmers everywhere to get electricity in America. Well, it took the Rural Electrification Act and it happened, right? It took a long time. But now, I, do you know any farmers who don't have electricity? Maybe the Amish, yes. But most of them have it. It happened. It took some work, didn't it, for that um, electricity to go out everywhere? Same thing with 5G. Scholars or experts on this think it's going to take a long time for everyone to have the 5G speed and ability to communicate and all their devices uh, at the speed that they're saying can happen. Well, those images of communication and connectivity are, are kind of the ideas that we brought together when we thought, what is Christ calling us to? Right? We just said, help me out. Christ is risen. We say that, and we believe it. Christ is risen. And just like he showed up to his disciples, he shows up to us, and he calls us to follow him. He calls us to a life. And we've, the, the church leaders have put it together with these five Gs. This is not something that we invented as far as the, the ideas. We just pulled them from Scripture, but a way I hope you can memorize and, and remember. It's this. Um, Christ calls us, and he calls us to the 5G life. The 5G life, as you see, is gather, group, grow, give, and go. You want to say it? Gather, group, grow, give, go. All right. Some of you can say it fast. Anyone want to try it? Gather, group, grow, give, go? I've been saying it a while. Uh, but anyway, hopefully you can say it like that or think it, understand it. This is not five commandments. The five commandments of St. Paul, five new things you have to do. You have enough commandments, right? Enough things on your to-do list. This is more, I think of it like this. It's an explosion of joy, right? When you love something, like you want to spend time with your granddaughters or grandsons, you carve out time in your schedule. You give up everything else. And you don't have to spend time with your grandkids. You want to, right? Uh, or with your girlfriend. Or, or uh, your, your wife's having a bad day, and you're like, honey, I got this. I'll wash the dishes. You know, you go sit down. You don't do that because it's written somewhere as a commandment. You do it out of love. It's because of, of this joy inside of you, right? So this 5G, the gather, group, grow, give, and go, it's not five commandments. It's us just responding to Jesus and his grace. Make sense? It's a life of joy. 
All right, so last week, I was really nervous last week, and I don't know why. I think it was because Easter and there was a lot of people here. And uh, I began my sermon, sort of a train wreck, and I ended it on, with a C.S. Lewis poem. And my wife was like, no one understood that poem. So I'm going to try to redeem myself with a different quote from C.S. Lewis today. Sorry, Melissa, I don't mean to put you on the spot. She's just being honest. So here's a different quote from C.S. Lewis. And I really like this because of our beautiful day. Right? Think a couple weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago, when it was snowing. Right? Isn't it great to live in Buffalo? Didn't we get the, what is it, snow, what do you call it? Golden Snow, yeah, we get the award for having the most snow, right, of a, of a big city. Yeah, lucky us, right? It wasn't too long ago we had snow, but now it's a beautiful day. So keep that in mind as you listen to this. He says this, The miracles that have already happened are, of course, as Scripture so often says, the first fruits of that cosmic summer which is presently coming on. Christ has risen, and so we shall rise. St. Peter walked on water for a few seconds. And the day will come when there is a remade universe, a new world. To be sure, right now, it feels wintry enough. But often, especially in Buffalo, often in the very early spring, it feels like that. 2,000 years are only a day or two by this scale. A man really ought to say the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago in the same way that he says, I saw a crocus yesterday, because we know what is coming behind the crocus. The spring comes slowly this way. But the great thing is, is that the corner has been turned, and we can see it today. There is, of course, this difference, and this is my point. There is this difference, that in the natural spring, the crocus cannot choose whether it will respond or not. We can. We have the power either of withstanding the spring and sinking back into the cosmic winter, or of going on into those high midsummer pumps in which our leader, the Son of Man, already dwells, and to which he is calling us. It remains with us, and I'll say by grace, by God's Holy Spirit, it remains with us whether or not to follow, to die in this winter, or to go into that spring and that summer the Lord has for us. Good words? Those make more sense than what I shared last week? <laughs> the spring is coming. We can feel it, right? In the same way our Lord is coming. Right? He's bringing us a new life. And so we want to respond to this life and actually say, yes, I am going to, to uh, enjoy what God is bringing. Right? And so the 5G life is the gather, group, grow, give, and go, but it's a little bit more detailed. The, the, the first gather is really gather for grace. This is something that our Lord says, hey, I'm calling you to this. And respond, like the crocus, respond. So I want to show you today, not, of course, not everything, but just some things. Turn in your, either your Bible or your bulletin to the Gospel reading. We'll look and see how Jesus gathers us for grace from this passage. So if you don't have one, grab one. You'll, you'll want it. Verse 19, on the evening of that day, this is Easter, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. I'm going to stop there a second. That's the same place we are, right? We have been gathered, we're gathered together. At this point, the disciples have not seen Jesus. They've heard 
They've heard that Jesus might not be in the tomb, but they haven't seen him yet. They're gathered together and they're afraid. Think about this. If someone came in here today and they got by Ken and they dragged me out and took me to jail, or worse, next Sunday, 10 bucks says you wouldn't be here. Maybe you would. I hope you would. But if I got dragged out for being a Christian, it would be hard for you all to gather, right? You'd be afraid. It's just common sense. Maybe God would give us supernatural courage for that. But they're afraid. And we're in the same place, right? We all have different fears. We're not afraid of people, hopefully at this point, coming in and and persecuting us. But we have fears. We have worries. We have things in our hearts that are hard to deal with. Everyone has different ones, right? The person next to you may have something totally different than what you have. But we all gather and we're sort of afraid, afraid of something or worried about something. In that instance, here it says this, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Look, the doors are locked. Jesus could have knocked on the door. Hey guys, it's me, Jesus. Let me in. But instead he goes right through the doors supernaturally. And I think he does that because John wants us to know that that's what Jesus does now. When we gather for grace, Jesus shows up supernaturally and stands among us. And then he says this famous line, Hello, weary travelers. Shalom. He says, peace to you. Right? He gives us peace. Now, if you read the whole Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, he says, peace I give you with you, not the peace of the world. I give you a different kind of peace. And that's what he does. He comes and says, peace. To your afraid heart, to your sinful heart, he comes and says, everything is at peace. I've died, I've taken your sins into the tomb, and I've risen. There's no, nothing against you anymore. God is for you. All right, so verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were, were glad or joyful when they saw the Lord. One of the things Jesus wants to do when we gather for grace is give us joy. Right? This whole life is an explosion of joy. Jesus is alive and he loves us. So we have joy. Or he wants to give us joy. Verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Again, peace be with you. Sounds like the same thing, right? Think about our service when we gather. There's lots of ways that God speaks to us. Sort of like going to a birthday party. Um, do you only have cake and that's the only thing you do? Of course not. You have presents, you sing a song, it's all that stuff. It's over and over. So again, here Jesus speaks the same thing. Peace to you again uh, when they gather. And then, he's, and then he kind of gives them a commission. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And that's kind of coming around the horn. Gather, group, grow, give, go. That's more of that, I'm sending you out. We'll get to that. But for now, this is what he sends the church to do. Verse 22. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You can gather lots of places for lots of reasons, right? Uh, You have a lot of different things you can go to. You can go to a Bills game or a Sabres game or a financial planning convention or name it, right? Pick it. Lots of things you can gather. And all those can be very good. But this one is unique because we gather in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means we get God's Holy Spirit. You all know how uh, the Gospel of John starts? Anybody? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how this Gospel we're reading starts. 
Jesus was in the beginning. He is the Word. Sounds like another beginning, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That goes back to Genesis. And in Genesis, it says the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the deep. And then you get to chapter 2, and it says God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then he breathed, or spirited, same word, he breathed into him the breath of life. That's creation, and it's beautiful, and we enjoy it, especially today, right? Here in the upper room, when he gathers for grace these, his disciples, he gives them new creation. And that's how this gathering is different than any other gathering. We gather for grace and get a new creation. And then lastly, here in this, this beginning part, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I try up here to hide. That's why I wear this, I call it a man dress, uh, a Jedi robe, whatever it is, this white thing. I'm trying to cover up. I wear a black you know, shirt, trying to, to cover up. It's my uniform. But there's one thing that should stand out. It's just this white thing here. And the tradition is that that represents the voice of Jesus. The rest of me underneath in this, my clothes are black. I'm, I'm a sinful man like the rest of us. But God has called me on behalf of the church, the voice of Jesus, to speak to you. So when I say, in the stead and by the command of Jesus, I forgive you, you're supposed to hear that not, oh, Pastor Zach forgives me. You're supposed to hear the voice of Jesus, I forgive you. To me, that's a comfort. I get out of the way and we all get to hear the voice of Jesus saying we are forgiven. So Jesus gathers us for grace and he forgives us. That's a beautiful thing. And of course, there's a warning for those who won't believe and receive this amazing peace. So that's, that's it. Everyone in the world believes this, right? Everyone gathers for grace somewhere, right? We wish. We pray. Even some of our best friends and family don't yet gather for grace. They don't yet gather and hear Jesus speak to them, peace to you. Like verse 24, this guy named Thomas, a good friend of Jesus, but he wouldn't believe Thomas was one of the twelve, he called the twin. He wasn't with them. But the disciples said, we've seen the Lord. Of course they're going to tell him, right? Of course they're going to tell him. But he said to them, as we read before, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. We all know someone like that. I will never believe that bogus stuff, right? So Jesus listens to Thomas. He's overhearing the conversation because he's Lord. He says, I see your hand, and I raise you eight. So eight days later, as the text tells us, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Thanks be to God, they told him, we've seen the Lord. And they said, come on, just stay with us. Right? Isn't that a good thing? That's what we say to our friends and family. Like, I know you struggle with believing it, but just, just come and gather. Just, just listen up for a while. Just try. Try to listen. Go to the place where God can speak to you. And again, the doors were locked. And again, Jesus came. And again, he stands among them. And again, he says, peace be with you. That's what he does. He keeps doing that. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. He gives him reason to believe, which is why one of the reasons we're going to have that a, faith formation class started by Ken and Dave next week, to give us reasons to believe. And he says, put out your hand and place it in my side. Jesus touches him, or he invites 
hit Thomas to touch him. So we might think about it. Well, maybe that was just back then. Jesus touches us. And I would say, no, we gather for grace. We touch Jesus. You might be thinking, where? Well, for some of us, and there's one person who will be baptized soon, uh, several people, Jesus, it says in Ephesians, that Jesus washes with water, with his word. He washes us. This is the way he touches us. And we can remember this. We can say, I belong to Jesus. And just remember, he touches us. He also touches us when we gather and kneel right here and gives us his own body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine. He touches us. He says, whoever eats my blood, eats my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life. It's amazing to think, isn't it? I know this is a little bit heady, but he actually touches us. The good news is he touch. Does that blow your mind? Maybe it does. Hopefully it does. Well, Jesus encourages his faith. And then Jesus gives him reason to confess. And then he makes his first confession, right? What's the 5G life? The 5G life is that we're called by Christ to be the confessing church. And so here we see Thomas be in this example. He says, my Lord and my God. That's awesome. My Lord and my God. If you, you can talk to your Mormon friends or your Jehovah's Witnesses friends, and I hope there are your friends, and they might say Jesus is just a, a sub-God or um, you know, he's not really God. Show them this text. Every other place in the Bible where someone interacts with an angel and worships them uh, because they don't know what else to do, they say, stop it, I'm just a fellow servant. Here, Jesus doesn't say stop it when he's called Lord and God. He receives it. In fact, he affirms Thomas's faith. Take a look at verse 29. It says, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? There's no question mark in the Greek. Another way to translate this is this. You have believed because you've seen me. He's affirming his faith, and he affirms our faith when we say, my Lord and my God. He affirms it. But then he also encourages those of us who don't literally see Jesus standing here, even though he's here. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus knows the struggles that we have to believe. And he says, you are blessed as you believe. And then lastly, I'll just finish up with this. John then can't help it, and he makes his own confession. Let's read together verse 30 and 31 and make this our confession. Verse 30 and 31. Here we go. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So whether you're an original disciple, a Thomas, someone way out, come gather. Gather for grace. Jesus speaks peace. He speaks forgiveness. He gives you his Holy Spirit. He's with us here. And he wants to gather all his children home. Amen.